Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nottingham Playcast. The podcast is about to begin. Please take your seats. Welcome to episode three of Nottingham Playcast. My name's Sinead. And I'm Derek. In this episode, do keep listening for an interview with Siobhan from the feminist comedy collective Major Labia. But first, we look ahead to Sweet Charity, our upcoming revival of the classic Broadway musical. Our artistic director, Adam Penford, caught up with the show's director, Bill Buckhurst, at a recording studio in London to hear more about his plans for our first musical in over ten years. Bill Buckhurst, director of Sweet Charity at Nottingham Playhouse. Um, we're in the recording studio where our star of Sweet Charity, Rebecca Traherne, is recording one of the numbers from the show. Can you tell us a little bit about casting of Rebecca Traherne? Had you seen her in a show before? What, what, what were you looking for in your charity? Um, I'm a, a big fan of Rebecca's. Um, she's an amazing performer, an amazing singer, but um, also the most wonderful actor. She has so much truth to everything that she portrays um, on stage, and um, I was really blown away by um, her performance in Showboat, for which, of course, she won the Olivia Award last year. And um, I, I felt that with this part of charity, um, I was really keen for us to cast someone who was able to connect with that extraordinary emotional journey of charity. Somebody who's uh, struggling to keep her head above water, really, in a, in a very um, hostile environment of a big city, uh, of New York in the sort of mid-60s. A fighter, someone with huge amounts of courage and, um, uh, as I say, uh, uh, trying, to, trying to survive in a, in a very difficult world. But, um, and having someone who, who you want to follow, someone who's um, going to connect to that journey and someone who you're going to root for. Um, I think Rebecca has all those um, uh, qualities. She's able to really allow the audience into um, the journey that she's going on on stage. And uh, apart from that, she's the most remarkable singer. And just to think about her portraying this part and to sing those iconic numbers uh, from the show is really exciting. And so she was the person that I felt was the person we needed to go to immediately about this role uh, and uh, knew that it was the role that she had never played before and um, that it is an iconic role in musical theatre. I'm just thrilled to bits that she said yes. You talked about it being an iconic role and it is. A lot of people will know uh, Sweet Charity from the movie version. Famous choreography and direction by Bob Fosse, uh, Shirley MacLaine's amazing central role. Have you watched the film? Like, did you know it? And to, and to what extent um, will the production at Nottingham Playhouse differ? Is there a pressure there? Wow, that's a really that's an interesting question. Um, I think when you ever hear the name Bob Fosse in relation to anything, it's, you know, a, a, there's a kind of um, shudder because he's so, um, he's a legend. He was a visionary, as you say, director and choreographer. And there's a kind of Fosse style, uh, which obviously is something which was completely revolutionary at the time and, and still feels very fresh and uh, exciting. I have seen the film. I saw the film when I was a, a kid, actually. And it was one of the, it, it was one of those films, actually, which got me really interested in musical theatre because I found it kind of real. It felt that um, although, um, you know, uh, I saw it when I was a kid and it's set in New York, it felt like it was very immediate, something very immediate about it. And I think that I subsequently found out that, you know, it was shot predominantly on location in Manhattan. 
So there's probably, um, you're, you're probably not often seeing extras, you're seeing real people living in that world. And then suddenly um, you follow this fantastic story and then suddenly they break into song and it just felt like a very groundbreaking and, and exciting and revolutionary thing to be, to be watching. I found it really thrilling. I remember very clearly seeing it uh, for the first time. And uh, as you say, Shirley MacLaine's uh, in it and, and is extraordinary and wonderful. But it's a film. And uh, there are things you can do in film which you can't do in theatre, and that's what's so exciting. You, you don't have the immediacy in the film uh, that, that you'll get in the theatre watching this story unfold live before your very eyes. Having said that, there are things, of course, which um, you know, we really want to uh, you know, uh, echo with the way that we tell the story. Yes, the Bob Fosse choreography is extraordinary and amazing, but we have a wonderful choreographer, um, Alastair David, who is really a thrilling and amazingly talented choreographer who's coming to to work with us on this show and what he creates he himself is a big fan of of Bofossi, but he will put his own spin on the the iconic moves um and uh and make something very very special which is going to be very different to uh, what people may remember from the film but at the same time paying great respect to the original version. So no, I'm, I'm not daunted by the task of the comparison because, you know, this is going to be our own Nottingham version with a brilliantly talented cast, thrilling uh, choreography and a, a really terrific and exciting design from Takis. You've you mentioned the film feeling real. Yeah. One of the things I love about Sweet Charity is the fact that it's a gritty story. Mm. You've got a working class female uh, character right at the centre of it. Um, and New York of the 1960s was uh, a gritty place. Is that one of the things that attracts you thematically to the, to the, the play, the, st the story and the themes and the social realism of it, I suppose? Yeah, I, th I think it is. And uh, you know that actually Bob Fosse, um, it's his kind of concept, this musical, though it's written by um, Cy Coleman, uh, Dorothy Fields did the lyrics and, and a brilliant, very witty, very, very brilliant script by uh, Neil Simon. But it was, a, a, it was conceived by Bob Fosse because he saw this film by Fellini called The Knights of Kiberia, uh, which I didn't know about until I started working on this production. And it is the most brilliant uh, film from the late 50s. I think it won a, a, an Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film that year. But it's, um, it's a very gritty, very, very compelling piece of social realism, actually. And, and Bob Fosse saw it and, and you know, got really excited by this and, and decided that he wanted to do a musical off it. So, yes... At, at the very base of this story is the grit and the realism, which definitely is something that I'm attracted to. Um, I think that, um, as I said, when I saw the film, it really surprised me originally uh, because it wasn't a kind of all-out glitzy kind of razzmatazz thing. Of course, there are elements of showmanship and stuff in this film, but there's something really grounded and very exciting and sort of um, spontaneous in, in the storytelling. And that is something which I'm really interested in because I think it, it uh, allows us as audience members to, to connect on a, on a really kind of a deeper level than, than you, you might do um, had it not had that kind of sort of, uh, uh, sort of base on which to work. And um, I'm excited by that. And it's a story which is timeless. You know, a young woman on her own in a... A, a big city trying to find her way, trying to, you know, find a place in the world. And uh, as well as trying to, you know, find that special person to share her life with. And, you know, um, I'm sure we've all had moments in big cities, living in 
in a big city. Um, I certainly have had that in London, living in London. And in fact, any, any city I've been in where you can feel at once very um, connected and surrounded by you know, huge amounts of people and, and life and feel very connected to that. And then the next moment feel very alone um, and very isolated. And I think that the story, although it's full of great humour and um, great heart and soul, has captures the, the, those, those, those moments and those that we often get in, in sort of big urban life where, where you do feel a bit isolated and you do feel that you want to share your life with somebody else. And uh, that gritty sort of realism um, is really strong in the show and I'm, I'm really excited to see what audiences make of it. It's been a while since Nottingham Playhouse lead produced the musical. It's a big, ambitious production for us. What is it that you want the audience to get out of it? What's the experience they're going to have in the theatre? Well, first and foremost, I want people to feel that they've had an amazing night out. And this is a musical which, even if you're not familiar with it you know, as a piece, you're sure to know many of the tunes. Um, big Spender, uh, If My Friends Could See Me Now, Rhythm of Life, you name it. Um, they're, it's packed full of amazing songs. Um, and so for those who are unfamiliar with the musical, I'd like them to be surprised and delighted by, um, by, by the story and by the performances and, and by the music. And for those who are familiar with it, because as I say, it is, a, it is you know, really is quite a well-known musical and people may know the film, I'd like them to be surprised by how we present it and the freshness that we, I hope that we're going to be able to bring to it. And it's going to look fantastic. I know that because um, uh, our amazing designer, Takas, has uh, created a beautiful design which really sort of um, shows off that amazing space, um, the the theatre, but um, is also brilliant uh, capturing the sort of the spirit of um, that city in New York and the location in in the mid-60s. We're going to be able to see the band there on stage as well, and I always love that um, seeing a wonderful band led by the amazing Caroline Humphreys as our MD, a band of nine musicians, seeing that music being created live in front of our eyes is just really wonderful and and exciting. And this wonderful cast, led by Rebecca Traherne, but uh, a cast of 15 who are really talented, brilliant actors, uh, singers and dancers. And I think that, you know, I hope that um, the audiences will go away having had a wonderful night and having felt that um, they've seen something very special. It's very exciting. We're all really excited by it. The one thing you've not mentioned is the amazing direction, which will come out. Bill's production of Sweeney Todd has been running in New York now for how long? Years. (laughs) It feels like years. We're into our second year. Second year. Um, Bill's done an amazing amount of work, but I can't wait to see what you do with Sweet Charity alongside the top-notch West End cast and amazing creative team. It's going to be a really exciting September in Nottingham. Can't wait to do it. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, we're looking forward to it very much. Thank you very much. So that was Adam talking to Bill Buckhurst, the director of Sweet Charity, and I can't tell you how excited I am about this show. Yeah, it's going to be really good. We haven't done a musical in such a long time, and what a show to get things kicked off again with. It's going to be big and glitzy and bold, and there's so many talented people working on this show. There absolutely are, and and look at the cast. Uh, We heard quite recently that uh, Jeremy Seacombe has completed the cast, 
Uh, he's well known as Sweeney Todd in the production, I think, which just became the longest running production of Sweeney yeah. Todd ever, directed by Bill Buckhurst in London and still running on Broadway. And uh, he'll be joining Mark Elliott, who uh, you might know from EastEnders and Holby City. So, yeah, a really talented cast. And what about Rebecca Traherne? Oh, my God. Major talent. Major talent. And if you want to hear more from her, so she's our charity, uh, head on over to our YouTube channel where you can see her singing... If my friends could see me now from the musical. Yeah, it's a corker. If that doesn't make you want to buy a ticket, I don't know what will. And of course, you can do that on our website. Up next, our Beth has a chat with Siobhan from Major Labia, a collective of witty women, where she discusses tackling the patriarchy via vaginal comedy. We were so pleased to see Major Labia on our main stage earlier this year, and this summer you'll be able to catch them at the Edinburgh Fringe, where they'll be flying the flag for Nottingham and, of course, for women everywhere. At the end of the chat, there's a sketch which, word of warning, if you're of a sensitive disposition, there's some strong language. We hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to The Playcast. I am with Siobhan from Major Labia. Hello, Siobhan. Hello, thank you very much for having me. It's lovely to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your company, Major Labia. So, Major Labia is a collective of witty women. Uh, We exist because, unfortunately, some people are still of the mindset that women aren't funny. Um, And not only is that not true, I think it's also quite a damaging notion. And it upsets me that there are people with sort of seemingly bang-on politics and really want to advocate for lots of wonderful things who still think it's okay to say, oh, women just aren't as funny as men. Now, that's just not true. So I got together um, a group of women who I think are hilarious, and fortunately, audiences have also agreed, and we've gone from there, really. So we exist to tackle the patriarchy through vaginal comedy. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about how the company came about. So, you know, I know why it came about, but like, what was the practicalities of getting together this bunch of women? So, we started as a much larger collective than we currently are. At the moment, it's uh, myself, I'm the outside eye director, write a wee bit of material, and then there are three performers, Phoebe, Narisha and Gemma, who also write, we uh, improvise and devise together. It is very much a collective. Mm. Um, And we previously did have lots more women that were part of it. Um, And we've sort of found a way of working that... uh, that suits the four of us at the moment, but we were a much larger collective and we wouldn't be what we are today without the women who'd been a part of it in the past Mm. and they very much shaped where we were going. So to begin with, um, we actually started by just talking about things that upset us, things that we felt held us back as women and how do we turn them into comedy? How Mm. do we stop ranting about things and actually make jokes about them? And how do we get people to listen to us? And it's not through ranting, it's through comedy. Um, So that's sort of how we came about we are um we very much play we're very playful we're very silly um our rehearsal room is absolutely chaotic and we then sort of tidy up material that we've made out of chaos which I think is a wonderful way of working um so when we were a much larger collective the very first performance we actually did was on Nottingham Playhouse's main stage it was 10 minutes of utter madness <laughs> um, completely unrecognizable from what we do now but a really important starting point um from there we then went sort of grassroots and we started performing in pubs and record stores and disused buildings and we just sort of found spaces where 
audiences of all kinds would be comfortable. And we were very keen that we didn't just want to play for a traditional theatre going audience. And therefore, if we were in a pub, anyone who's been in a pub will feel comfortable coming into a pub. And what we tried to do was then when we were programmed to be part of the Playground Festival at Nottingham Playhouse, Um, bring those audiences with us so people who hadn't necessarily visited the Neville studio at the Playhouse before came to see us and then kind of went oh interesting what else do they do Um, which is really important because obviously we're all very very passionate about theatre but we're also very passionate about access and about people engaging with things and sometimes people can think that the theatre isn't for them which is obviously rubbish theatre is for everyone um if it's programmed in a way that is for everyone and we feel like major labia is um is very accessible um so that's something that we were very keen on doing and when we got into theatres we were trying to sort of bring that audience through with us that's really interesting and i think um tell us a little bit about you then went you went from the neville and then yeah. you we asked you back yeah yeah you did <laughs> um so we sold out the Neville really quickly, which was a huge surprise to us. I mean, obviously one that we were very grateful for. Mm. Um, but it then became a, a thing of, okay, well, there's clearly an audience here. There's a waiting list. There are people that want to see this kind of work. And we were asked back to play the main stage. So in February of this year, uh, we played the main stage, which was really exciting to be able to own that space and for it to be all women and... Um, to be making something that clarify that it was all women on the stage. The audience had quite a lot of men in it. As Absolutely, well. <laughs> yes. No, that was great. That's something we're really keen on. Actually, we don't just make work for women. Yeah. Um, I think there's an assumption that if something is made by a man, it's for everyone. Mm. If something is made by a woman, it's for women. Um, and I just, I just don't buy that at all. I think that's yeah. rubbish. Um, and I'd really like to kind of break that down a little bit. And so, with Major Labia, we're not marketing to women. We're saying this is comedy. Anybody who likes a laugh, i.e., everyone come along um so yeah it was a really mixed audience actually and we were really proud of that um there were babies in there and also there wasn't there? Like, the age was, range was extraordinary there was breastfeeding happening on the second row it doesn't get more feminist comedy than that we were delighted um and we also um decided that because this was a, a sort of home gig we're all from nottingham we're all very passionate about the city we love mm. the city we love the people there's a reason that as artists we make work in this city um we decided that we wanted our audience to feel a part of that as well so we end our show with a dance um and then we invited the audience to come and dance with us on the stage so there were sort of babies through to 70 year olds dancing on the playhouse stage and it was just absolutely joyous it was wonderful it felt like the audience owned that space and Mm. it felt like it belonged to them and that's really important to us because we're from Nottingham and you know this is our community and this is our theatre and we want people to feel that as well we now feel like this is our theatre now we've been invited in properly so we want other people to feel that ownership too it was a really celebratory evening that evening and I remember because it was really snowy I remember thinking oh gosh they're going to get the audience because quite a lot of shows are closed around the country because of the like awful weather and then at one point there was a queue like snaking out of the building <laughs> I was like wow this is amazing people buying tickets on the door yeah and well we all need to laugh particularly in the winter yeah it was it was magical <laughs> yeah it was brilliant and people really supported it we very nearly sold out 
So that's a really, a really big feat for a, a sort of a relatively new company. We're about two years old. Yeah. And to say that we'd only had one performance at the Playhouse before, well, one full length show before, mm. uh, we were really proud of that. So uh, if you're one of those people that came, thank you. <laughs> so Siobhan, one of the wonderful things about your show is the set and the design. Tell us a little bit about the design. Okay, so we work with a designer called Eleanor Field and uh, we were keen to explore female anatomy obviously our the title of our company is major labia we're very keen to to say labia as much as possible because it's no different to an elbow it's just a body part Um, but people get very distressed about it there's certain publications that won't come near our company because they're scared of the word labia really yes um which we find very amusing (laughs) so our set is um a Volvo curtain and when we played <laughs> the main stage at Nottingham Playhouse we managed to make an enormous vulva which is wonderful um, and it has pubes because why not because women have pubes um, true. and it also has a giant glitteris which is a glitter ball clitoris <laughs> um, so amazing. yeah so it's uh, something that could look quite abstract and then when you really look at it you go oh that's a vulva and we're very keen to talk about the word vulva as well because people say vagina when they mean vulva and people are quite scared of talking about uh, the female anatomy and and that's quite sad actually because if you if you aren't empowered to talk about your body then there are lots of things that you're sort of being prevented from knowing or understanding or accessing and we're we're very keen to sort of demystify the vulva and its parts including the glitterous which is not part Love of the, the anatomy i also really enjoy the fact that you're showing you can at the end you can have a selfie in the vulva yes absolutely <laughs> vulva curtain selfie they are all the rage um we actually had a baby coming through one <laughs> on our main stage show being birthed through our vulva curtain <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what's coming up next for you guys, because things are happening, aren't they? They are. So we, um, as I said, we started very small, and we started in, uh, we started performing in spaces that weren't theatres, and we did lots of scratch nights, which is where you try out material, and an Mm. audience is invited to tell you whether they like it or not, which is really important, because what are you doing it for if not an audience um so we did the pilot nights in uh, Birmingham we were supported by Old Vic New Voices so we had lots of sort of support on the way mm. up in terms of developing things and then we got some arts council funding for some shows that we did at Nottingham Playhouse and Leicester Curve and from those shows we've been able to refine the content and we now have a show that we're really proud of and we think it's a, a solid hour of brilliant material um and that show is called vulva la revolution <laughs> um it is about um revolutionary women of nottingham's history um and it's also silly it's very silly so there's a, there's a sort of historical aspect to it and maid marion does feature as you'd expect um Obviously. but there's also just some unexplained physical comedy as well um so this full-length show is uh going to edinburgh this summer so we'll be doing two preview shows for it so we have a show in london at the king's head 
as part of their Playmill Festival on the 18th of July. And then on the 19th of July, we'll be performing as part of Departure Lounge at Derby Theatre. And then in August, we'll be heading up to Edinburgh, uh, which is so exciting. It's my favourite place, favourite time of year. You cannot beat the atmosphere of everybody wanting to go and see theatre and comedy and just have a really good time, which is what we're all about. So we'll be performing at a revolution bar. So back to our roots in terms of uh, everyone come and have a pint and a laugh. Um, uh, from the 12th to the 17th of August. So that's our, that's our summer mapped out for us. We are also uh, going to be filming some sketches soon as well because that's something that lots of people say, oh, what's, where's your online content and how do I uh, get to see these sketches if I can't come and see your shows? Mm-hmm. So that's something that we're working towards at the moment as well. One of our favourite sketches will be filmed imminently. Great. Because it's a really interesting thing, isn't it, where you, because as a company, you sort of straddle two genres. Like, on the one hand you can do like comedy festival because you're comedy and on the other hand you do theatre so how how has it been navigating two quite different worlds it's really interesting we're still learning a lot and we're all from theatre backgrounds Mm. as opposed to comedy backgrounds so it's been it's been really interesting just sort of meeting other companies Mm. and lots of stand-ups and just sort of seeing how things work in the comedy world And I think one advantage that we have actually is that we do sort of understand that theatrical world and trying to put a a structure to our show and trying to find a sort of narrative through line Mm. that connects our sketches, I think is what really sort of helps our sketch show feel fully rounded in a Mm. sense. So yeah, but we're very much still navigating that and still learning that. And um, yeah, it's been a really interesting Are you finding other companies that are similar to yours around the country or people that are doing similar things to you? Yes, there's quite a few other um, sketch uh, groups and a couple of all-female groups. But there really is, um, there really is a different feel to everything that we've seen. And Mm. I think sometimes there's a oh, we already have a female comedian on our lineup, so we don't need another one. And wow. um, that's, you know, that's said to lots of people constantly. And that's awful because it's, uh, you know, the fact that you're a woman has absolutely nothing to do with your work necessarily. Um, and I think there's lots of, yeah, we've been bumped off a bill because they already had um, some sketch comedy by women. And it's like, oh, okay, we've ticked that quota. So, yeah, it's been really interesting to meet and talk to other companies about how they make their work and the fact that it's not a competition and that Mm. there is room for everyone and being able to learn from other people is really important as well and being able to advocate for other women so we're very keen to to employ women and to work with lots of women and to look that little bit harder for people to work with because often so you're looking for a sound designer and you ask someone for some advice for example the first five names they give you will usually be men Mm. and so we're trying to find women there aren't, you know, there are women that are doing that. We just need to find them. Tell me, how has have you had to change in the content of the show? Because it's quite a Nottingham-based show. Um, it's yeah. very funny. Have you had to change some of the content to make it relatable to audiences outside of Nottingham and East Midlands? Or has it stayed pretty much the same? So that's a big conversation that we've been having at the moment because obviously our East Midlands audiences have understand some of our references that perhaps a a more national audience wouldn't Mm. and what we've realized is that Maid Marian is internationally famous perhaps slightly less so than Robin Hood but uh, that world is very much uh, known across the world Um, so we thought well that's a really useful character to be able to use that people know um, and we can take her anywhere and within that we then are able to celebrate Nottingham and to showcase things about Nottingham so uh, I believe we're going to hear a sketch um, about Goose Fair 
on this podcast. Um, or we may have already heard it. I don't know how this will be edited. Um, <laughs> and uh, obviously Goose Fair is very famous within Nottingham, not so much outside of it. But what we realised was that uh, cities across the country have fairs. So it doesn't matter that Goose Fair might not be known. As long as the characters are relatable, then that context is an additional bonus for anyone that does have that reference point. And we've just been uh, sure, we've been made sure that going through the script, that there isn't anything alienating. We don't want any uh, punchlines or anything that you have to understand to be too specific to Nottingham because we don't want to alienate anyone. But we do want to celebrate Nottingham culture and educate people as well. Awesome. Um, and last question, uh, what are your plans for the future? Where would you like to be in a few years' time as a company? Ooh, uh, everywhere, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we would like to be performing the length and breadth of the country. Um, we want to keep on making work that empowers women, that tells women's stories, that is punching up rather than down in terms of its comedy. So we believe that nothing is off limits in terms of content for jokes. However, the the content of the comedy has to be laughing at the oppressor rather than the victim, for example. Um, And we think it's important to tackle uh, lots, a range of topics through our comedy. So we want to continue to do that and to expand on the sort of areas that we look at. Um, And we're also really passionate about education and we'd really like to expand in that area. And once we've firmly found our feet as a theatrical company, we'd like to look at an educational aspect to the company. Um, Sex education is notoriously awful in the UK um, and we are really keen to work with lots of young people and talk about things that really aren't talked about, like consent, for example, and that being a really enormous part of culture. And, uh, you know, there's lots of ways to tackle the patriarchy, and vaginal comedy is one of them, but we're also (laughs) keen to um, empower through education. And if there could be a comic aspect to that, we feel like that would be a way that young people might be able to understand and relate to the topics being talked about a little bit more. So in the long term, we'd really like an educational strand to the company. Brilliant. Sean, it's been lovely talking to you, and I think we're going to hear one of the sketches from Major Labia. Marvellous. Let's head over to Goose Fair. Two pan a piece of one pan. One pan a piece of two pan. Finest mushy peas in all the goose Oh, that lovely autumnal smell. Peas, petrol, peas. Favourite time of year this is. One pound of peas, a two pound. Two pound of peas, a one pound. Cheap peas, really good price. Cheap peas, really good price. Debbie, you're on my turf. This ain't your turf, it's Goose Fair Duck, it's for everyone. Nah, this is my patch. 17 years it's been my patch. So you up. You can sod up. I've got a permit. And a lanyard. I'm official, I am. That makes it police and everything, that. I don't need a lanyard. I've got loyal customers, I have. Yeah, very loyal. Why do they keep coming back to you? Surely one pot of mushy peas is enough for one night. <laughs> hey, you're not up to your rib tricks, are you? I don't know what you mean, Duck. Hey, hey. Bradley, tell your mates I've got the good stuff, yeah? 
pure organic peas, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, I knew what you were up to. What? Making an honest living selling me peas. Uh, honest? Where's the mint sauce? Yeah, mint sauce is dutty duck. It's tradition. This is goose fair. Well, I used to read tradition to shag your fucking cousins. Tradition don't mean no. Don't change the subject. Go on, admit it. Fine. Got nothing to be ashamed of. I've put speed in me peas. Oh. Selling narcotic-laced mushy peas to miners? You're a disgrace, you are. You, you're giving Snenton a bad name. <laughs> you're a degradation on society. Snenton ain't got a bad name. You're a snob now you've moved to Ice and Green. Don't change the subject. You're selling crack to kids. Firstly, it's not crack. It's speed. And good speed at that. And secondly, these are my homegrown organic peas. They're from my allotment. Yours are from Erin Foods. I've been nurturing my business for past 17 years and, and you're coming round here with your drugs and your bad attitude and I'm not having it. you got to move with the times, duck. Kids have got to take drugs, yeah. They might as well be my drugs, the good stuff. I'd do anything for my business, I would. Yeah? Well... So would I. Well, uh, I'd climb that Ferris wheel. Well, I'd jump in front of that dodger. Well, I'd piss on some candy floss and I'd eat it. Well, I'd fist myself with a toffee apple. Well, I'd finger a goose. Well, I would shag that kebab man. Oh, oh. fucking hell. Well, I would. Oh. Mm. That's what I'd do for my business. Do you know what that is? That's hard work. Dedication. And graft. Some of you want no note about. Nah. You and that kebab man would be a match made in heaven. Cause, uh, cause I heard your fanny looks like Friday night kebab meat. Freaking about and it's pitter. Here, have this in your mushroom. Uh, oh, oh, I've got bees in my nose. Tracer. Oh, yes, officer, thank you. This one's been trying to sell peas without a permit. Nobody likes the grass, Tracer. And that was assault. You're coming with me down station. <laughs> Thank you, officer. She's been harassing me all night. Hey, here's another pop, Debbie. This is your third tonight. Kids are quick these days, Debbie. I need to be quicker. Well, I may never think of Gus Fair in the same way again. <laughs> and that wraps up this episode of Nottingham Playcast. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear previous episodes, check us out on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Music